Have you ever felt like this? You're out in the middle of nowhere, you're out of gas, <laughs> and no cell service. And you realize you didn't tell anybody where you're going. So now there's no way they can find you. And there's no way you can know what to do next for sure. Or how long it's gonna be before you're out of this. I think we're living in times like that as a nation. We're living like that times as a people. There's an election coming and people seem to hate each other. The COVID crisis is upon us and now the flu is supposed to be added to that. Our economy is being stretched to the point it might break. And uh, you can't be sure what's coming in the next two months. Matter of fact, most of us can't even plan beyond the next two months because everything changes so quickly. The times we live in are uncertain. And the times we live in are on the verge of being chaotic, if not being chaotic right now. You know what Isaiah was living in times like that? Isaiah was living in the midst of a very uncertain time, and yet he found a way not only to survive, but to thrive. And so in the book of Isaiah, we begin to learn how to live in times like we're in. We begin to learn what to do, things we could actually do that would make a very real difference. Man, I am so excited we're starting this study in Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah stands out in a very unique way from all the other prophets in that he saw, he saw most, if not almost all, of all the things he tells us about. Uh, in John chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus, uh, John tells us this. It says, the things Isaiah said because he saw his, Jesus's glory, and he spoke of him. Now think about what John just said. John said that Isaiah saw Jesus. Isaiah heard Jesus. The word saw there is a Greek word, ido, which means to literally see. In other words, to gaze upon. And it's an idea that at one point in time, it's in the arrowist tense, which means in a one point in time, Isaiah would see Jesus. He would see him for who he was. He would see him in a very active way. He would see him and he would actually hear him. Isaiah saw the times he lived in. Isaiah saw the times Jesus when he came the first time. Isaiah would see our times and our days, and he would see the second coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah. Isaiah was very, very powerful and unique amongst the prophets. So we're going to learn from him. And one of the things I want you to think about is this. Isaiah talked about not only Jesus, he talked about a group called the remnant. The remnant. Now, the remnant is very important to God. And what is the remnant? The remnant is a small group of people who will always remain faithful to God in unfaithful times. There are people who never ever leave the ways of God, but always seek the ways of God. And I want you and I to be a part of this group called the remnant. The ones who are always faithful, the ones who are always true, the ones who are always committed. And Isaiah saw them and he always saw that their God would always have a group called the remnant, a remnant of people. Jesus talked about them too. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus said these words, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, the majority. It goes, but the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few that find it. The few are the remnant. And throughout the study in Isaiah, I want you to notice how many times he talks about them and even talks to them. And you and I need to be in a time, uh, in our day and time, we need to be a part of the few and the faithful, the remnant that God wants us to have. But again, I want to go back to what Isaiah was facing in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, he was living in a time of uncertainty. 
uh, he was living in a time where everything would change. Uh, just before this, uh, things were going great. As a matter of fact, it was one of the best times that their nation had ever experienced, and it all would change. Something evil would happen. Something wicked would come, and Isaiah could sense it was coming. And so from going from things being so good, he saw the potential for things to go so bad. The timing for the vision, according to Isaiah 6.1, was this. In the year of King Uzziah's death. Uh, king Uzziah was actually a very righteous king, a very good king. Almost all his life, he was part of that remnant, that faithful ones to God. But he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. Uh, as he got older, he became prideful. And he did something he shouldn't have done. He entered the temple to burn incense. Uh, in the temple, there was always incense burning to, to symbolize our prayers going up to God in a pleasing way. But only the priest was allowed to light the incense. And when Uzziah did it, he actually was doing something very, very prideful and something he should never, ever have done. As he lit the incense, the priest came in and caught him doing it. And the group of priests stood against him. And he turned in rage to scream at them, uh, feeling like because he was king, he could do this. And at that moment, God struck him with leprosy. He uh, had a disease that would change everything for him. And that disease would change everything for everyone else. Uzziah would have to go into isolation, and he would end up dying a very painful death. So that disease was something that not only infected him, it had an effect on all the people, just like the days and times we live in. And Isaiah realized Uzziah was going to die soon. And the potential problems that were coming their way, the evil that would come, the wicked that would come, uh, he knew was coming. Uh, I, even though Uzziah was a faithful king, uh, it's interesting that there were 36 evil kings in Israel. So there were a few faithful and 36 evil. And so the idea, again, that Isaiah knew is that the leadership was going to go bad and things were going to go very, very, very wrong. And so what did he do? In the midst of uncertain times, he had to make a decision to do something that would be a change for him and a change for everyone in his day and would also bring our opportunity to experience good change in our lives as Isaiah would begin to live a life with God that would be incredible. And so what did he do in uncertain times? What did he do in that moment? Because we can learn to do what Isaiah did. How can you have that experience where God will come and Jesus will enact his promise for you in uncertain times? Listen to what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me. So in times of uncertainty, we need to come to him. And he says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right now, are you tired? Right now, do you feel like you're carrying a weight? Right now, do you feel like you can't almost go another step? You know what Jesus said? Then come to me. Come to me and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke was something you put on an animal so you could guide them. But, but I want you to know there's something else about it. So you would, you would put this yoke on an ox or you would put it on a, another animal so you could guide it in doing its job and fulfilling its purpose. But it was also put on to bring protection to the animal so that it would go in an easier way, a better way, so it wouldn't burn out, so it wouldn't get hurt or wouldn't get harmed. And Jesus says, I want to do that for you too. 
I want to protect you, but I also want to guide you in your purpose. And I want you to know that that's what you're made for. And instead of fighting so hard against things you weren't made for, Jesus said, I want you to live the life you were made for. And I want you to experience that. And so Jesus is telling us something. In the midst of times that are tiring, hard, and uncertain, come to me. Isaiah, in the midst of a time of uncertainty, he began to come to God. He starts by doing the very thing that God wants you and I to do. He wants us to seek God. He wants us to seek God. And so you and I, in the midst of uncertainty, need to seek God. And Isaiah did that by going to the temple. By the way, the very temple that Uzziah went in and did the wrong thing, uh, Isaiah would go into the temple to do the very right thing. Everything would be different because he would go to the temple and he would seek after God. In Isaiah chapter 6, I want you to catch what happens. It says this, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds uh, trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Isaiah saw a vision. By the way, we're living at a time where God is giving visions. Not just in the days of old, in days of now. God gives visions. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Isaiah, Isaiah had a vision. God wants you to give a vision to you in times like this that are uncertain. And God wants to call you to something beyond yourself. Isaiah saw God in heaven in all his glory. God was lofty. God was exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were there. What are seraphim? In all the Bible, this is the only time and the only place this word is used. And it literally means the fiery ones. The angels were on fire. I think that is like so cool. And so in that moment, he sees these fiery angels blaring out, blazing forth, singing praise to God. And they worshiped God. They worshiped God saying, holy, holy, holy. And as they did, it was loud. As they did, it was passionate. As they did, it was powerful. So powerful. The very pillars of the temple was shaken. Uh, God moved in an incredible way. So what does this tell you about worship? What does this tell you about the worship that God loves? For God, for God to have the worship he wants, the worship he loves, it's going to be loud, it's going to be powerful, and it's going to be passionate. You know, something happens when you worship God. Something changes in you. The Bible promises that God inhabits the praise of his people. And you know what? So often uh, when, when I'm counseling somebody or other people are counseling people uh, and it's a Christian counselor, we'll tell people what you need to do is you need to spend powerful moments of time praising God and allowing him to come near, allowing him to inhabit that praise, calling forth for his presence to be in your life. Because something happens when you praise God. I love it when we get to gather together at Crossroads and praise God. Right now we get to do it out on the patio. One day soon we'll be back inside. And, and if you've never experienced it, uh, the worship at Crossroads is passionate, powerful, and, and it takes something uh, uh, to change us and make us different inside. So my favorite place to worship, honestly, is at Crossroads. But my second favorite place to worship 
is in my Jeep. You know why? Because I don't sing very well. But the Bible doesn't say you have to sing a beautiful song. It says make a joyful noise. And I can make a joyful noise. And in my Jeep, I turn it up and I turn it loud and I let it loose. And I love worshiping my Jeep so much. Do you know what I always do? I always bring John and Sarah with me to worship. Hey guys. (laughs) And we just sing and worship and let it out. And it's like the best thing ever. So whether you're worshiping in your Jeep or your car or in church uh, or in the moment and your house just beginning to seek God and to worship God will bring certainty to you in uncertain times but in the midst of that something else happened Isaiah learned the next thing that he would need to do and that might be a surprise to some of you he would need to hold his tongue so when you and I are in times of uncertainty we should probably speak less listen more and you know what we need to hold our tongue we need to hold our tongue we need to watch our mouths we need to be slow to speak and we need to be uh, uh, people who are slow to act in those kinds of ways for some of you the way you hold your tongue is by not posting too quickly and not posting too much and you know what in the midst of it all Isaiah became aware of how many times what he said wasn't right what he had done would not be correct and listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5 Isaiah said woe is me for I am ruined because listen to these words I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts the one then in that moment he became so aware of how the things he had said were not right because he was in the midst of a holy moment with a holy god and incredible worship i don't know about you but would you agree that so much of what we're seeing on social media shows that we're people of unclean thoughts and unclean lips so much of what's being said today uh, uh, isn't honoring and isn't good and isn't uplifting and isn't edifying and we would say those very words woe is me because the bible's clear that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and then in that moment god does something it says in verse 6 that one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Your sin is forgiven. The sin of not holding his tongue. The sin of all the things he should never have said. I, in that moment, he became so aware of it. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that you... Uh, if you, if you speak in the Hebrew language, you can't cuss. So let me say that again because you might be surprised at that. There's no cuss words in Hebrew. So, uh, by the way, I was one time in Israel and this uh, person was speaking Hebrew next to me. But whenever he wanted to cuss, he used English. Because <laughs> there's a lot of cussing in English. There's a lot of bad words in English, right? I mean, we, we've got a lot of them. And so Isaiah living in the midst of a pure language, found a way to have impure speech. And see, God doesn't want you to do that. God doesn't want that to be who we are. Because what we say reveals what's in our heart. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now notice what he's going to point out. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of the good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of the evil treasure what is evil. You know what? Sometimes people say, you can't know what's in my heart. Well, that's not true. You can know what's in my heart, and I can know what's in your heart. Why? Because I can listen to what you say, or you can listen to what I say. Out of the heart, the person speaks. 
And Isaiah knew that his heart wasn't good because the words of his mouth weren't good. And he knew the things he were saying weren't good. And in that moment, he knew he was a man of unclean lips. Being in heaven, being in the presence of God, Isaiah was convicted that it was sin. He was convicted that it was wrong. And by the way, the Bible says that we will actually be judged based on the words we say. In Matthew 12, verse 36, it goes on to say, But I tell you that for every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for in the day of judgment. It's interesting. When Isaiah was caught up into heaven before the throne of God, uh, the judgment came before God even had to say a word. And then God, uh, Jesus goes on to say, By your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. So what about you? What about me? How, how pure is our language? How clean are our words? Or would we agree with Isaiah and say that we're a people of unclean lips and maybe unclean posts? Um, by the way, one way that, that we are unclean is not just cussing, it's complaining. Uh, the Bible's very, very clear that complaining is a sin. Uh, I was very intrigued when Dr. Carolyn Leaf was with us. She actually pointed out being irritable and complaining is a choice you make. And, and it's a toxic choice we make. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. And we need these words in uncertain times. It says, do all things, not some things, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Isn't that interesting that, that one way we stand out is by not being people who complain? And yet right now, I believe that people are complaining more than ever. We're complaining about the pandemic. We're complaining about the governor. We're complaining about uh, the decisions that are being made. We're complaining about the election. We're complaining about the economy. And if you're like me, I complain about complainers. <laughs> Anybody else? You complain about complainers. He says, but do all things without grumbling or complaining. Uh, when we complain, we're not a people of clean lips. We're a people of unclean lips. In James 5, 9, we're told this. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. So in times of uncertainty, in times of uncertainty, we don't want to be people who cuss, and we don't want to be people who complain. Uh, we want to be people who hold our tongue. So what did Isaiah do? Isaiah, in the midst of uncertainty, did what? He's, he was a person who seeks God, and he was a person who held his tongue. But number three, number three, what did he do? He remembered God's grace. We need to remember God's grace. He remembered God's grace. In the midst of that moment when he thought he was a man of unclean lips and knew he was a man of unclean lips, what happened? The angel came and, and, and put the burning coal on his lips and said, Behold, your iniquity is taken away. Uh, and listen to what it says in verse 7 again. He says, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. In that moment, what did he focus on? Is that God is the one who cleanses. God is the one who forgives. God is the one who, who causes us to, to have that iniquity taken away. And it's always by the grace of God. Isaiah didn't do anything in that moment to to deserve that. He was aware of his sin, but he also became aware of a God who forgives and a God who loves. And, and I want you to know that God wants to forgive you, love you, and cleanse you. And so that's what we see. We see him uh, uh, seeking God, and that's what you do in times of uncertainty. We see him holding his tongue, and you and I need to hold our tongue. Some of you got to say amen to that one more than ever. And how about this? We need to remember God's grace in the midst of it all, because no one's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But God is perfect, is perfect in giving love and grace. And then number four, you need to live your purpose. 
You need to live your purpose. It's not just what we don't do that defines us as Christians. It's what we do that defines us as a Christian. And so in that moment, what happens is it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Then I, Isaiah, heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Why was this so important? Because Isaiah found something out. He found out that in the midst of uncertain times, what you need to do more than anything is live your purpose with certainty. Uh, you can know your purpose. You can live your purpose. Uh, some of you, your purpose is to be a parent. So be the best parent you can be. Say, God, you've given me that responsibility. Here I am, send me. Uh, for some of you, for some of you, it's, it's the opportunity to fulfill love and care for a neighbor or, or to go and show compassion to somebody. Here I am, send me. Uh, for some of you, you have a spiritual gift to lead a life group. Uh, and so you need to be leading that group and gathering people together. For some of you, uh, your, your purpose uh, your purpose is to go and, and serve others and, and, and be a part of making a difference in their life. Here I am send me. And so what we always say every morning is, God, here I am, send me. As I go into my day, let me live out my purpose to be the husband I should be, to be the leader I should be, to be the servant I should be, to be the one who shows care and compassion when the opportunity comes. Lord, here I am, send me. And to bring the message of Jesus to people. Here I am, send me. And you know what? In that moment, he did it. And something incredible happens when you and I actually act on those words of living your purpose by saying, Lord, as I get up this morning, here I am, send me. Take my feet. 
Summer, and we just want to bless Summer. And uh, she's one of the special parts of our disabilities ministry. Uh, she's got the heart of our church, the heart of our community. And so Summer Campbell, we're going to bless you and just let you know how special you are. And I feel like God wants us to do that. So a here am I, send me is the summer. So in times of uncertainty, one thing you can count on is God is certain. And God has a purpose for your life, and God has a plan for your life. So Isaiah, by seeking God, by holding his tongue, by knowing that God's grace never, ever, ever ends, it's always available to all of us. And that cleansing can come, that change can come, that forgiveness can come when we seek him. And then when we do, we find that we have a purpose in life. You need that. Some of you right now, this is your moment. Some of you right now, this is your time. This is your day to open up to God, to say yes to God, to commit your life to God. He's calling out to you and cares about you. It doesn't matter right now what, uh, what you've done. What really matters is what Jesus has done. He died on the cross so you could be cleansed. It's better than a hot coal being put on your lip. It's the blood of Christ being applied to your life so you become a new person, a new creation. And in this moment, in this time, some of you, you need to commit your life to Jesus for the very first time. Some of you need to recommit your lives to Christ. At one point, you were walking with him and you knew him and you knew his love, but something happened. Maybe it's during the COVID season. Maybe it was just before it, but it's time to come home. And it's time to be his. And you know what is so interesting is, is Isaiah, Isaiah experienced that transformation when he called out to God. So what do we do? When we really want to experience Jesus and his love, we need to, number one, pray to him or call out to him. The Bible says, call in the name of the Lord and be saved. It means pray. In a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer where you could say yes to Jesus. Some of you, this is your time. Don't live in the uncertainty. Find purpose, find clarity, find certainty right now by seeking God, by drawing near to God, by letting him pour his love upon you, by letting him cleanse you and change you and transform you. So I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, either for the first time or to recommit. Some of you need this for your marriage right now. This is the moment for you to say no more living a marriage that's not good, that's not incredible, that's not filled with love. Commit yourself to Jesus together. And that change is not just for you, it's for the rest of your family. Uh, some of you right now, you need healing from pain and hurt in your life. And you know what? God wants to bring that healing, but you need to call out to him. So call on Jesus, call on him. Right now, I'm going to lead a prayer where you can pray that with me. That's the first step. The second step, though, is this. You need to, to make it known. You need to let it be known that you're saying yes to the Lord. And how do you do that? Well, we're going to ask you to trust us by texting AMEN, which means the truth, to 69922. 
So text that right now. Actually text it now or text it when we're done praying. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to get back to you and we want to know your name. So please, please interact with us. Then we also want to send you an electronic copy of a book that will guide you in what to do next in your walk with God called The Purpose Driven Life, one of the best-selling books of all time. And so many people have had that book be a real help in their life. And we want to send that to you for free. But right now, the question is, are you ready to say yes to God? Are you ready to open your heart to Him? Are you ready to be His? And are you ready to find certainty in the midst of an uncertain time? And if so, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. But before we do, let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for each and every person out there who needs to open their heart to you and experience your love, experience that grace, because the grace is so true and so incredible, and the love is so real, and I pray they're going to open their hearts to you. So I pray right now, Lord, for you to touch any man or any woman, any guy or any girl, any couple or any group of friends who needs to open their hearts to you and commit their lives to you. And I pray they can sense this is their moment. This is your moment. This is your time. Don't hold back. Don't hold off. Let's do this together. I'm going to ask you to whisper or even say out loud these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything that will hold me down or hold me back. But most of all, say most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. And here's the word, amen. Amen means the truth. It means for real. And if you prayed that prayer, text amen. Right now, text amen. If you prayed it to commit your life or recommit your life, text it in. And then we want to get back to you. And we want to send you a book that I think will help you in ways that are incredible in this season we're in. By the way, I am so excited also to dig into the book Isaiah. Then we're going to discover amazing things as we go deeper and further in the book of Isaiah. Things about Jesus, uh, things about the days and times we live in, and things about you. You're going to discover a lot about you. <laughs> so you know what? Uh, may God bless you. May God's power be with you. May his promises be true for you. May his peace be upon you. And may you just really sense God's certainty in uncertain times. So God bless you guys. I really should have told Pam where I was. Oh, man. <laughs>